Cube Radio. You are listening to the Car Guide Podcast with Louis-Philippe Dubé and Gabriel Gélina. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the tenth episode of uh, the Car Guide Podcast. Uh, my name is LP. I'm your host, and I'm with my co-host uh, Gabrielle. Gabrielle, today we have a lot to cover. Uh, lots been going on. I've been on vacation in a little bit, and you've been uh, going around the world a couple of times. I believe <laughs> <laughs> you told me all about it. But of course, much, yeah. uh, there's been a lot of a uh, lot of lot of traveling, a lot of driving uh, going on, and a few things in the industry that we want to uh, talk about more precisely in uh, the Canadian automotive industry. And today, I want to kind of spice things up uh, because uh, the vehicles uh, that we've driven are pretty important. I'm getting a lot of questions about them and uh, we want to start we want to kick off this uh, podcast episode uh, with our drives uh, followed by uh, after our drives we'll talk about uh, what happened in Ontario with a Volkswagen uh, putting together uh, plans for a plant a battery plant in uh, in Ontario as well as Michelin investing in Nova Scotian automotive industry for tires uh, we're going to talk about the Kia EV9 uh, the three-row SUV uh, from Kia that's been unveiled officially uh, in production version uh, this week, as well as the Audi Active Sphere, uh, Active Sphere concept uh, uh, to, to finish. So uh, without further ado, um, I was in California uh, last week to drive, to finally drive the, uh, the 2023 Subaru Solterra. And uh, despite driving the, the BZ4X or the BZ4X, depending on where you're from, <laughs> how you call it, uh, the to from Toyota, which, uh, as you may know by now, both, vehicle, uh, both vehicles share the same platform. It took about a year for us to put our hands on the uh, Subaru uh, variant of, of this platform, which is the Solterra. And uh, um, driving these vehicles in California, the last time with the PZ4X was the same as it was in California, and the Solterra was under the Californian sun, sun as well. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, it it represents the drive driving dynamics, but it doesn't represent the uh, the winter reality of of Canadians. And I, I get a lot of comments, a lot of questions about about these vehicles because a lot of clients from Toyota and Subaru want to make the switch to EVs, and you know. These two vehicles being the first full global production vehicles for for these respective automakers, uh, there's a lot of questions about what, should we make the switch now? Should we wait uh, for another vehicle from from Subaru or Toyota? And and hopefully we can answer that. Um, uh, let's start with the good stuff. Uh, the Solteria is just like the BZ4X. It's a good package. It's a good size. It's got enough horsepower. It's 215 horsepower, 248 foot pounds of torque, which is as we always say with electric vehicles, you know, plenty to start off the line. Uh, main difference between the BZ4X uh, from Toyota and the Subaru Solterra is the fact that the Solterra is, uh, is uh, exclusively available in all-wheel drive configuration, which is a two-motor, uh, one in the front, one in the rear. And the BZ4X is available in both front-wheel drive and uh, all-wheel drive variants. But let's keep it with the uh, Solterra. Uh, it shares a whole bunch of stuff with the PZ4X, starting with the interior. Uh, pretty much the same looks inside, same type of comfort. Uh, obviously, the badging is different, but we noticed that the infotainment system is exactly the same as the Toyota, which is the new Toyota uh, infotainment system. It's it's 
I, I believe it's much better than what uh, uh, Subaru would have done in that car. Uh, overall, good comfort, uh, good feedback from the steering, uh, good accelerations. It's got a, a, a decent uh, a package for, for a small family, uh, plenty of space in the rear. Uh, and, uh, you know, according to, to uh, the roads, the, the, the roads that, that we've driven in on, they took us to uh, a small off-road portion to test out the, the drive modes. Now, drive modes with the, uh, uh, the symmetrical uh, electric uh, all-wheel drive system, which is now what, what, uh, what uh, Subaru calls it. There used to be a whole bunch of drive shafts and, and prop shafts and, and differentials uh, uh, for other uh, uh, Subaru uh, uh, vehicles, the, the uh, ICE-powered, the, the, the gas-powered uh, Subaru. Uh, vehicles are all equipped with a whole bunch of equipment to be able to make that superior all-wheel drive that we found in, we find in Subaru. Uh, for the Solterra, it's all computers and wires. So uh, one motor in the front, one motor in the rear, and these motors communicate with modules and cables, and uh, they do it. They do so very quickly, uh, uh, very swiftly. So if you take the Solterra off-road and you go through the little, you know, mud, dirt. Uh, um, uh, X modes, uh, you'll be able to have a satisfying experience. Nobody's going to really do that, but Subaru owners uh, love to know that they can uh, take their, their Subaru off the beaten trails. And testing the Solterra in some mild, light-duty uh, off-road activities was, was you know satisfying. It showed us that the vehicle can do it, although it feels pretty damn heavy uh, uh, on the trail. Uh, all of this is very good. Uh, the the less uh, the, the the portion that I liked less is that just like uh, the BZ4X, the Solterra, and the uh, Lexus RZ that you're going to talk to us about in a few minutes, uh, the charging capacities on these vehicles have been limited in order, according to the automakers, to protect the battery on the long run. Now, yeah, so you can only charge it. With a maximum 100 kilowatt exactly. uh, level a level of charge, and we all know that uh, some high speed chargers are able to deliver much more than that. Yes, and more importantly, that a lot of uh, vehicles, electric vehicles from rival manufacturers like Hyundai and Kia and Genesis, yeah, can take you know a higher mm. level of charge yeah. than 100 kilowatts. So the, more, the charging time is is definitely an issue. It's the first yeah. issue. More uh, more you know you look at the Hyundai uh, Ionic Five, the Kia. EV6 can go up to 225 kilowatt yeah. on a 300 kilo, a 350 kilowatt uh, a charger that we, we you, you find from Electrify Canada from from other manufacturers that you'll find uh, uh, yeah. on Canadian <clears throat> highways. Petro Canada, Petro Canada as well. Yes, yeah. uh, and what that means is that. Um, uh, saying that, well, it's more than twice for for these rivals. Uh, that means longer times, uh, longer wait times on on the charger. Now, if you're doing more, uh, most of your charges at home, uh, it doesn't really really affect you, except. Except for the fact that the onboard charger is 6.6 kilowatt. <laughs> yes. And so when you plug on a level two, um, for the RZ, it's uh, nine and a half hours to get a full charge. Yes. You know, which is a little bit, which obviously much more than... Um, than than some some other vehicles, electric vehicles, who are able to get a hundred percent charge yes. in less than eight hours. Yes, and uh, sometimes as low as six. So, you know, when you th talk about an onboard charger that's six point six kilowatt, 
That's the same as you've got in the Mitsubishi Outlander PHEV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, know, right. That's a PHEV. It's mm-hmm. not a full electric. So you don't need so, to, to spend that much time exactly. to charge it. So yeah. the, the speed of charge, whether you're on uh, whether you're on a fast charger or you're on a level two charger, is slower, mm-hmm. much slower. Yeah. With the Subaru Solterra, with the Toyota BZ4X, and with the Lexus RZ, because it's yes. basically the same battery and the same electric architecture. Yes. So it, you know, it, it it'll affect that. And if it, what the, the the main question is that I asked at Subaru was that why. You know, why are we going so low? And they said, well, you know, because we're always, we want to keep our reputation for reliability. Uh, the, the, we're, we're, our engineers have showed us that, you know, the, the, the faster the charge, the more battery degradation there's going to be on the long run. Um, Subaru and Toyota, for the same matter, uh, want to, uh, warranty their battery for eight years and 160k, which is which is kind of a standard now. But it's 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 a good warranty. But they also said without warrantying it, they said after 10 years the battery shouldn't be uh, less than 90 percent capacity. Exactly, that's the same same answer from from Lexus. From Lexus, right? Exactly. So that's what they expect. That's yeah. what they're shooting for. But they're not warrantying it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's it's you know it's a good argument, but. The the problem with the hundred kilowatt thing that I have is that in two years or three years, you know, I was speaking the engineer and said, well, most chargers on the on the highways are not more than hundred kilowatts. You get fifty kilowatt ones, most of them. I'm like, I agree now, exactly. but in two years, it's going to change. Gonna, it's yeah. going to change. Yeah, there's exactly. Tesla just came out with the uh, with the 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 uh, uh, there there are other superchargers that are going to be you know as much as five hundred, and then they're going to be everywhere, and then Tesla will now lets you charge on their chargers, mm-hmm. so so people. People with Ionic fives or EV six or mainstream vehicles can charge on Tesla, you know, and and use their the the, the most uh, of their capacities of their battery that can take. And if you're buying a BZ4X or you're buying a Solterra now, and you're saying, okay, I want to keep it, but in ten years. Uh, and then, well, it, it kind of devalues the vehicles now in the first few years because in the hopes of having a better battery in ten years, which is. Us, uh, a gamble that everybody's now playing, uh, okay, whether we're, we're going with performance or, or reliability on the, on the long run, but nobody knows exactly what's going to happen with these technologies. Yeah, exactly. So that's, you know, that's, <laughs> I mean, let's face it, that's Toyota and that they're so conservative, yeah. you know, and there's, a, as a company, yes. as a, as a, so you can understand why they would choose that path. But at the same time, um, yeah, it's, it's going to become an issue if you're going to need to do some, some fast charging. If you, if you're, if you intend to do long, you know, long trips with yes. your, with your vehicle and like that, like you're, you're going to make use of high speed chargers mm-hmm. because you're covering a lot of distance. Just that, you know, the, the fact that you're going to be parked for a longer time with that vehicle. Exactly. And you won't be able to charge it and on a high-speed charger more than twice in 24 hours. Well, that's, that's the, the big issue. Yeah, that's yeah. another thing because that's what I wanted to mention. And you and, and you said it, the the engineers at, at Subaru said, okay, in order to protect the battery, it's not only about charging performance, but also the Solterra and the BZ4X and the RZ for that matter are limited. You can only charge them twice on a high-speed level three charger per day. Mm-hmm. That's the computer. That, that's what the computer will let you do. Uh, this is a problem for uh, a person like me, for example. I live in an apartment building, in a condo building that's not equipped for, for charging, which a lot of condo buildings in Montreal are the same. And I, when I want to get somewhere, I always end up 
coming out of my condo and saying, oh, damn, you know, I only got 20% charge. I end up at a high-speed charger to start the day, you know, get on my laptop, wait until it charges, and then go on for that day. But then driving that car, I only I know that I only have one other time that I can charge quickly. So if I'm going to Quebec City, I, I have to park it there on a level two charger, not on not on a high speed charger. I can't yeah. I can't come home that night. <laughs> yeah, it, so. it, it, yeah, it kills spontaneity. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it kills your flexibility. And flexibility you know, and and, and, and those words that yeah. you just said, the, uh, spontaneity and, mm. and flexibility, are Subaru owners' uh, exactly. mantras. You know, they and what I'm wondering is, is our Subaru owners, current Subaru owners, going to follow Subaru? In that you know Solterra venture and say, and say okay, you know we'll give up, I'll give up my 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 uh, my legacy or my outback and say well you know we'll I'll just go with a Solterra and and do yeah. the EV switch with Subaru. It's not gonna happen. You no, know, it's got it's got to be tough for them. Yeah, of course. I mean, the vehicle that we're gonna talk about now is 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 uh, it's gonna be different because I want to see your input. I want to know your input on the Lexus RZ, but I think it's gonna be different. Well, you know, the Lexus is this. Um, first of all. Um, It is based on the same architecture, the ETNGA, which is yep. Electric Toyota New Global Architecture, as the BZ4X, as the Subaru Solterra. So the same battery. Power is a little bit different, you know, because it's a Lexus. They give it a little bit more power, We're talking about 308 horsepower total and a little bit more torque. Um, But apart from that, it's the same thing. You know, like what we just discussed with the with the charging, it's the exact same thing because it's the exact same battery that's in that's yep. in that car. A, a few words about you know, like the styling of the of the RZ. For me, it looks too much like a Toyota <laughs> BZ4X. Does it? Yeah. And it looks too. You know, it, all these three vehicles. You know, of course, there's different you know styling cues and you know small details and things like that. But basically, they pretty much look the same. And when you compare that to what Hyundai, Kia, and Genesis have done with the same platform, same architecture, same thing. You know, they're using the exact same playbook as Toyota, but oh, the so cars look so, exactly. Yeah. The Ioniq 5 looks completely different. Yeah, the Kia from the Kia EV6 and the GV60. Yeah, and in this case here, we're looking at three sort of like cookie cutter vehicles. Yes. And in terms of the Lexus, yeah, they've done some they've done some styling tweaks. Yeah, they, they like the um, uh, the famous spindle grill that you have on the on traditional Lexus IC powered cars. Yep. You know, it's been reinterpreted because, you know, with some like ribs on the sides yes. and things like that. And but apart from that, you know, it it looks very much uh, very much like a Toyota, very much like a Subaru. There's nothing Um, when you look at the vehicle that screams luxury, you know, okay. to you. Uh, they do have, you know, a two-tone paint job, mm -hmm. you know, which, you know, which we, I, I actually drove a copper and black uh, vehicle when I was uh, at the launch. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> in terms of um, driving dynamics and handling and things like that, so uh, again, uh, direct for all-wheel drive, electronic uh, all-wheel drive. Yeah. Um, Fast response. The car doesn't feel like it weighs 2,000 kilos. You know, that oh, was good. a bit, bit surpri big surprise for me. I was expecting good. the car to be a little bit more sluggish or not quite dynamic, but it actually handles pretty well. And I think that the credit goes to the uh, Direct4 system, which I, uh, it's pretty well calibrated. Yeah. Now, <laughs> one thing that's interesting, if we look now at the, the interior of the vehicle, again, it looks very much like the Toyota, same screen, same uh, uh, same basic layout, 
And again, you know, it's a Lexus. So you expect, you know, high levels of uh, craftsmanship or, or material quality, I think, something yeah, like that. A lot of things that Lexus talk to us about in the exactly. assembly of their cars. Yeah. So the, the build quality is there. Uh, but, you know, again, nothing in that interior screams luxury <laughs> to you. <Yeah. laughs> Does it have a lot of piano black plastics? Well, it's not necessarily that, but it's, a, it's like there's a, you know, you're basically looking at a, a large screen. There's none of this, you know, the, the, the very fine details that you'll find on some of their Uh, trim levels, yes. upper trim levels of, of some of their cars. Obviously, the LC uh, yeah. is, is way out there in terms of the the quality of materials. Right. So we're not expecting that in this vehicle. Yeah. But nevertheless, it would have been nice to, to have, have a, a yeah. little bit more of a subtilities luxury, luxury and, and, touch, yeah. you know, so to speak. One thing that's interesting, there are two steering systems that are going to be available on this car. A conventional steering system with a round steering wheel and a steering column with a rack and pinion steering and all that. Yeah. Very conventional. But they're going to offer as an option later in the production cycle a steer-by-wire system with a different steering wheel that's a yoke. You know, Mm -hmm. basically looks... If you if you picture a butterfly, you know, with the with the wings yep. extended, that's sort of like kind of like what the the steering wheel looks like, and so it's not round. Obviously, it's it's a yoke. It's a yoke, like the Tesla But, Model S, and, exactly. and and yeah. And then this is meant so that you know it doesn't obstruct the view of the uh, of the instruments and things <laughs> like that. But more importantly, there is no mechanical link between that steering wheel and the. Rack, the, the the steering system the, the that steering actually system. turns. The yes, wheel. it's all wires. It's and, all electronic. And computers, yeah. So basically, you have a, a sensor on the on the steering wheel that measures the amount of lock that you're giving, and that sends a signal to the device uh, that actually turns the, okay. the front wheels. Now, because it's electronic, it can be variable in terms of uh, the ratio of the of the steering. So basically, what they're doing is that they've tuned it so that at, at low speeds. You don't have to cross your hands on the wheel even to go to full lock. You yeah. basically move your, if you're turning to the left, you would move, you know, your right hand up to 12 and then up to 11. And that's as far as it goes. Yes. Okay. And that will give you maximum lock on okay. the steering wheel at slow speeds. And first of all, in both cases, I think that the uh, the uh, turning circle is way too big on both vehicles. But yeah. coming back to the steer-by-wire, the... If, when you're driving that car at 100 kilometers per hour, the steering feels very natural. It feels like a conventional car. Right. But the steering ratio changes every time the speed varies by five kilometer oh increments. So, and, and we were testing it in the south of France, windy roads, a lot of roundabouts. So <laughs> imagine this. I was like coming up to roundabout, braking, yeah. turning a little bit. First, and it was giving you left, different it, feedback. It's giving me a certain amount of luck. Right. But as I'm braking and into the into the roundabout and turning right, now I have to constantly adjust the lock because the car is slowing down and now the wheels are being turned more oh, you know, because of the speed. Oh, okay. So it's going to take a lot. Of, obviously, the engineer told me they're still fine-tuning it. Yes. They're not, you know, so it might not be what the final vehicle will behave like. Mm. But what I found is that you had to make, you know, basically a vehicle behaves differently whether you're driving it at 95 kilometers an hour, yeah. 75 kilometers an hour, 
55 kilometers an hour <laughs> or 15 kilometers an hour. The steering yeah. feels completely different. Completely different, different yeah. So you have to adjust constantly for yeah. that. Now, is it worth it? You know, and as far as, you know, they, they want to make sure that you have both hands on the wheel and that you're not crossing over on the steering wheel and things. You know, variable ratio steering systems have been around for a long time. Yes. Know, mechanical ones, you know, with... with with the, the dents and the uh, and the and, and the, the steering rack, rack yeah, yep. are different at the ends than in the center. You know, right. for proper on center feel at high speeds and and more lock when you're when you're really turning hard. So that's all good. This is a new way of doing it, but right now there's just like too much variation. Okay, <laughs> between, yeah. So it's a calibration <laughs> thing. It, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully they they fine tune that. And yeah, uh, I think that's the reason why also. Uh, that this is not going to be available right from start of production, but right. only at only at um, only at a later um, later date. Um, terms of pricing, you know, obviously it's it's a Lexus, so they have three trims: signature, luxury, and executive. So it varies between you know in Canadian dollars sixty four nine hundred sixty to seventy three five fifty and up to eighty nine fifty uh, dollars. Okay, um, so. Obviously, no incentives here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so you're, you're, you're in paying, dark territory. Yeah, you're, you're, you're on your own, buddy. <laughs> you're, you're, you're paying full, full pop. Um, so, you know, like that, a little bit, a little bit disappointed by this vehicle. You know, I was expecting a little bit more from from Lexus that they they really gave this vehicle its true. Yeah. You know, identity and, and something like the steer by wire system. Let's face it, you know, a lot of their customers are n- just not going to go for that. Mm-hmm. They say their clientele is going to be younger for this vehicle yeah. and more uh, newcomers to the brand and things like that. But let's face it, you know, the Lexus customers are usually older and this kind of steering is going to feel pretty wonky to them. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe so. And then, and then the same goes for the charging. I mean, we were talking yeah. about the Solterra and the BZ4X. Hmm. I mean, I think it affects, you know, I was talking about Subaru buyers and hmm. how, how adventurous and, 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 you know, like outgoing they are. And well, the, the, the turndown would be, you know, the fact that you can't charge on a level three charger twice a day or more than twice a day. The RZ customers, I think, well, you know, maybe it's going to be a little bit more they're going to accept that a little bit more maybe mm-hmm. uh, because uh, it's a vehicle that's going to be charged at home and maybe not do as much mileage as as a Solterra. Uh, however, uh, it's definitely something that uh, you, you, you brought it up. You said, you know, it, it disappointed a little bit because how are these vehicles going to keep the buyers within the brand, mm-hmm. you know, during the electric shift. And this is what I'm worried about, you know, for the for, for those brands because, or and the buyers and saying, well, you know, Subaru owners, Lexus owners, Toyota owners are very, very loyal, you know, and now you're sending, you're kind of sending them, you know, out and, you know, outside to say, well, everybody's doing a little better technically, uh, sometimes on certain facets are much more, uh, much better. And you say, well, uh, we're betting on reliability, but then we can't, you know, warranty fully, you know, the, the reliability that we're going to guarantee in 10 years. And then, you know, it's kind of a, it's a big, 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 big gamble for them. And I, and, and I think it's symptomatic of the fact that they're late to the party and they know it. Oh, yeah. So know? that's so. it. Without saying it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> without saying it. But the, 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 it's going to cost them a lot yeah, exactly. to, 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 for that. Um, I, I want to come back to the, the pricing on the Solterra for, as a comparison, uh, because I didn't say it. Uh, Solterra... Uh, 
starts at $54,295. And then you have two trims. Uh, One is a luxury trim, which is $4,100 on top of that, uh, and $7,800 for the tech package, which has everything in it. Um, So you're basically talking about a $62,000 or $60,000, you know, average if you want a, a nicely equipped uh, 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 Solterra, which is a, a chunk of change, I mean, when you're mm-hmm. when, when you're, you're you're looking at it, you know, like a sixty thousand uh, dollar Subaru, and you have these little restrictions or just the, the interior finish. I mean, if you get into the Subaru Solterra, it's a, a bit like like uh, um, uh, what you mentioned about the RZ, but uh, completely different. It's just a uh, you know, if, when you're paying sixty thousand dollars for a vehicle, it's kind of you're expecting a little bit more, um, and uh, and that's about that. So, a uh, lot of things to know about uh, these two vehicles. You can read the articles on uh, CarGuideWeb.com, and uh, we're going to move on to another vehicle that you've drove uh, today, uh, uh, this week. Actually, it was the 2023 Land Rover Range Rover Sport. Yeah, exactly. The Land Rover Range Rover Sport, probably you know one of the longest names in the business. <laughs> when, yeah. when you look at everything. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, this is a vehicle that was actually um, unveiled about a year ago in New York City, mm-hmm. and um, you know I, re- I remember being at the unveiling of this uh, of this vehicle. They had a, a huge presentation to show us the styling and this and that, the other thing, and before that, they showed us a film, you know, a video that they had shot of some female stunt driver who's going to race. Uh, the water gushing out of a spillway of a dam somewhere in Scandinavia, very elaborate yeah. production, you know, with helicopters and everything. And obviously, <laughs> all of this is staged. Obviously, she's going to make it. Yeah. But it, it just goes to show, you know, the kind of um, the kind of money that they're pouring into to marketing this this uh, this vehicle when none of the owners of uh, or buyers of a Range Rover Sport are ever going to attempt anything oh, yeah. other and you know anything that crazy or even just you know driving it off road you know let's yep. face it those cars are are being driven on pavement exclusively and they're being driven you know to to go to work drive the kids to school or to hockey practice or whatever and things like that yeah so it's more of like a a, a status thing and it's, and it's, a, it's true of all the land rovers you know the cars are technically capable of doing some serious off-roading yeah but none of their owners or you know pretty much 99.9% of them will, will never use the, this kind of, uh, of capability. Mm-hmm. It's good to know that you can have it, you, you're, the water waiting capacity. Yeah, exactly, stuff things like, like that. that. The styling is, is, is really nice. You know, the, I mean, Land Rover styling right now, the, the, the cars look really good. Yes. Uh, very modern, very sleek, very... Uh, and, and same with the interior. Yeah. Know, the interior is really high level. Uh, in terms of uh, materials that are used or quality of fit and finish, things like that. Minimalistic look. Very digital. Yeah, very did huge screen, that uh, that PV Pro screen. Um, and uh, so, and, and it's very, air, you know, it's light and airy. There's lots of light that comes into the vehicle, things like that. It's very comfortable. It's in the in the case of the Range Rover Sport, it's also the most dynamic of the of the range. Yeah. So it's not quite as fun to drive as a Porsche Cayenne or you know BMW X5 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's still you know they're doing it doing it a little bit tuned towards more uh, sporty driving, which is yeah. which is kind of cool. Power plants. That's where it gets interesting because you still get the V8 with the uh, P53 first edition. That's cool. So yeah, yeah. but 
let's face it, the most interesting one is the uh, P440e, which has the you know the the, the battery and mm-hmm. that so that that plug-in hybrid that changes the the uh, the whole outlook with regards to fuel consumption because obviously with the V8 you're looking at. You know, you're averaging absurd tw- amounts. Well, <laughs> you're averaging like twelve. I did like twelve point seven. Oh, think. that's not so bad. Yeah, it's not so bad. But oh. you know, a lot of highway driving. So yeah, there you go. Um, so it's um, it, it's a, it's an interesting vehicle um, for you know like a niche market. It's also again very expensive, and let's face it, Land Rover still doesn't have the reliability issues sorted because they're still languishing yeah. at the bottom of the uh, JD Power vehicle dependability survey. Yes. And they're dead last and they've been dead last for, for many years. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> there's some, you know, if, if you're looking at buying this for the long run, um, not really advisable. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> If yeah. you're leasing it for the length of the warranty, that's another story. Yeah. Uh, but that's very much uh, regretfully uh, a problem with uh, with uh, with Land Rover. I didn't have any issues the, the short time that I drove yeah. uh, the test vehicle, but then again, you know, that's like a, that's like a week's time. It's not but, it's not like 3 years time. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Land Rover owners are like that too, you know. They yeah. they kind of they're very re- loyal to the brand. I mean, uh, a friend of mine uh, has uh, owns a, 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 um, a Land Rover uh, um, Discovery, and he's um, he's uh, woke up one morning. Uh, it was raining, and during the night, he woke up one morning. It's a brand new, brand new vehicle. Well, not brand new, a couple of years old. But uh, woke up one morning, and a couple of those were full of water. You know, okay. <laughs> and then he says he calls, and he's he lives remotely, a little bit re- remotely. So uh, the dealerships for Land Rovers are are two hours away. The, the one in Quebec City and two hours away in, in Montreal. So, and he, he says, I want to buy something else. What do you, you know, what can I buy? I said, well, you can look at BMW Audi or you can even look at Stellantis, whatever, Jeep, if you like Jeeps, because he does a little bit of off-roading where he lives. It's, it's not a paved road. And, uh, you know, you want something that's close to you if you want to, to, to go to the dealership. And I, 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 I pull up a whole bunch of different you know, range of vehicles. Even I, I had the Telluride, you know, yeah. for Kia, which is which is he needs big vehicles. So I says, well, this is going to be okay. You know, you're going to have more. It's not going to rain in your cup holders anymore. And then he he goes out and a couple of weeks later. He's like, oh, I bought a car. And I'm like, oh, cool. What would you buy? A Land Rover Defender. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, I went to the car motors and 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 then ended up buying a Land Rover Defender. It looks so good. It looks so good. So you know, very loyal customers. Very and then even if it was, it, it, it's kind of a big assembly problem that he found out. He says, "I don't, I don't care." I, you, there was nothing in in the list that was showing him. It was all uh, 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 safe. It was all uh, logical purchases, but for him, it, he was emotionally attached to the lens. Yeah, the cachet, the cachet is powerful. Yeah, you know, it's powerful. that's it. That's yeah, it. There you go.